0: Come on, let's stand up and let's honor this life and thank God for him. Love you, man.
1: Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Darren. I really pray that we will be able to live up to that introduction. It is uh, an amazing honor for us to be with you and to be connected with you in your own journey. Uh, Liana and I have just returned from a pretty whirlwind, eight-nation, four-week trip. And we just returned this week. And uh, last Sunday, I was also speaking at, at a church in Norway And when the people heard that I was from South Florida, they came and said, do you know Darren Davis? And I said, yes, I do. And I could see that in that moment, there was a rising of estimation for me because I knew Darren Davis. And Darren had just ministered there uh, a few months ago, and uh, the residue of that ministry was still very, very evident. And uh, so it's, it's just so beautiful to know that in, in our own um, brokenness and, and our own journey, we are graced by God to be used and to be able to be vessels of grace and... Um, I know that you're in this series called Margins, and uh, Darren indicated that it would be good for me to speak about margins in terms of family, friendships, relationships, and I I really trust that I will do that justice, and I want to start by reading what I believe is just one of the most precious references to relationship in, in the Bible. It's Ephesians 4. Verse 13, in the message translation, now many of you know that it's premised by the gifts that are in the church that are equipping us, Uh, but then it says the following, and listen to this within the perspective of relationship. It says, until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other. Efficient and graceful in response to God's Son, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. Until we move, and this is this is what caught my heart, until we start moving rhythmically, in a rhythm of grace. In essence, today, I want to talk to you about margin being able to move in rhythms of grace within relationships. I recently just read this note that somebody wrote. They said, Rhythm is the root to healthy relationship. Rhythm is found in the notes we repeat throughout our days, weeks, and months. It's found in the things we do over and over and over again, only occasionally having to schedule them into our agendas. In coming to each other with rhythm and unpredictability, we create shared meaning and remind ourselves of what is most important. I want to submit to you today that if you want to experience margin in your relationships, it's about reinforcing rhythms of grace within your relationships that you will Protect and that you will see happening over and over and over again that strengthen that relationship. I I love what the message also says about Jesus' words in Matthew 11, 29 when it says, Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced Rhythms of grace. And then he says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. There's something about what you were designed for that God wants to reveal so that you can enter that space, not as something heavy, not as a burden to carry, but as a rhythm to function within. Come and learn The Rhythms of Grace. And so, when we talk about rhythm in relationship, um, we recognize that there is such an attack on on relationship, on family, on the quality of engagement with people, with one another. And um, I trust that what we share today, if you are married it will help you to reinforce and to strengthen that relationship. If you are single, you will be exposed to some key references that you can aspire to in terms of what you dream of, in terms of possibly getting married and being in that relationship. But even if that is not your your destiny, Here's some references that can empower you in the significant relationships of your life. Um, just speaking to singles for a moment, I, I know that so many, so many singles are these days on online dating sites, uh, hoping to meet somebody. And and the question is, you know, when you engage that dating site, you know, what what are you anticipating? What are you thinking you'd like to see? Who do you want to meet? Um, Craig Rochelle helps us decode some of what people communicate on these online dating sites, and I think this might be helpful. I just want to read this to you. He says, when a woman says she's in her 40s, that means she's 49 and a half. Okay. <laughs> When a guy says he's 40-ish, it means he's in his 50s and he's just looking for a young girl, right? He says if a guy says he's huggable, it means he's carrying a few extra pounds and he's probably got more body hair than Sasquatch. <laughs> I don't know if I should read this, but he says if a woman says she's romantic, it probably means she looks much better at candlelight. No, oh, that's not good, is not good. If a guy says he's laid back and very close to his family, it means he still stays at home with his family, is unemployed, and hopes that you have a good-paying job. <laughs> You've got to understand these things when you check out those sites. <laughs> he says, if she says, I'm bubbly and fun, it means she talks and talks and talks and never shuts up. <laughs> she says, I'm an independent woman, she has real control issues, <laughs> and she will dominate you and make you like it. <laughs> the fact is, what are we looking at when we consider relationship? What, what do we desire when we want to connect? in a deep and flourishing way in our relationships. Over the years, Liana and I have come to define five key references. And as a rule, we, we, um, we sometimes share this together. Uh, today, not because of time. I want to share five key rhythms that I believe could bring extreme value into relationship. The first rhythm is what we would term acceptance. Acceptance. Placing value on one another. You know, love, in essence, is a value statement. When you value something, it evokes positive emotions. When you devalue something, it brings negative emotions. Love is a value statement. When I say I love you, I'm actually saying I'm esteeming you, I'm valuing you. It means that I accept you, not because you're perfect, but because I've made a choice to place value on your life. I want us to Look at a few scriptures in the Song of Solomon. Um, of course, I, this, this book has, was written about a thousand years before Christ, and we know that it somehow references the relationship between Christ and the church. But in essence, this, this book is about a man and a woman madly in love with each other. And the navigation of their own journey within that relationship. And... We start off in the Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 2, where she starts speaking, and she says, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. For your love is more delightful than wine. And then she says, Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. Listen to this. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the young woman love you. Listen to this lady. She says, I've been at the receiving end of your love. And when I consider you, I look at your name. Your name represents something. There's something about character that is represented in your name. And she says, because your name represents this this perfume poured out, she says, it's attractive to the rest of the ladies. In essence, love. And respect. We we see this as the basis of relationship. If we talk about the sense of acceptance, in our words today, we would talk about love and respect. A woman wants to feel loved and a man wants to feel respected. She wants to be desired. He wants to be admired and in essence we see how this reference is established in in this communication um, I think here's how relationships were designed to work A man loves a woman. She feels the very essence of his appreciation for her. She responds with honor and respect. And if the rhythm of love and respect if this rhythm of acceptance can become a key component to your life, where this becomes that which you do day after day after day. It becomes the fiber of your functioning. It can reposition the quality of your relationship. Love and respect. You know, they say marriage is not so much about finding the right person as being the right person. Uh, Choosing to navigate because you know this is the right thing to do. The second rhythm that we see in this story Um, in the Song of Solomon, is what we would call affirmation. Affirmation. The power of releasing words that empower, that bless, that encourage, that speak life over one another. This this girl obviously has a lot of insecurities and vulnerabilities in in her life. And and listen to how she starts to speak here in verse 5 of chapter 1. She says, dark am I, yet lovely daughters of Jerusalem, dark like the tents of Kedar, like the tent curtains of Solomon. You see, She was working in the fields and she had been burned by the sun. And now suddenly she's insecure about what she looks like. And she says, do not stare at me because I'm dark. Because I'm darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me and they made me take care of the vineyards. My own vineyard I had to neglect. Now, it's a little different. To today, especially here in Florida, everybody wants a tan here in Florida, right, you even go to these sunbeds and you pay money for them to burn you, fry you, so that you, you, you can become a little darker, right? Right? But you've got to understand in the context of what she's saying here, she says, it's evident to you that I am working in the fields. I'm a laborer. And this is defining who I am. And it's, it's, it's having an impact on how I feel about myself. She's sharing her own vulnerability. And slowly as she engages this relationship, she's opening her life up, revealing her insecurities. And that's what happens in relationships. As we navigate relationships, we become aware of one another's vulnerabilities, right? Because we all have insecurities, We're all navigating those things in our lives. And here's the key. It's the way you respond to your partner's vulnerabilities that will ultimately determine whether you are empowering that person or not. It's the way you respond. This is actually a beautiful picture of Jesus and us, how he loves us in spite of us. But listen to this as the story unfolds. He says the following. He's now speaking these words of affirmation over her life. I don't know if they make real sense today, but he says, I liken you, my darling, to a mare amongst Pharaoh's chariot horses. He says, ah, when I look at you, I I see a horse, Yeah, I mean, okay, some of the Bible stuff here, man, it's difficult for us to really understand it fully, but, but here's the thing that you need to understand. The chariots of Pharaoh were the most appreciated references that you could have. Now listen to what he says. Your cheeks are beautiful with earrings, your neck with strings of jewels, how beautiful Beautiful, you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes are doves. She's hearing this. She responds and she says, Oh, handsome are you, my beloved. How charming. Now listen to what happens here. I want you to see just what happens here. In chapter 1, she's so aware of her insecurities, but because of the way he respects. Responds because of how he responds to her insecurity. He's not trying to reveal her insecurity. He's not trying to harbor with negative references to her insecurity. He's speaking positively to her insecurity. And what happens? Suddenly, something changes in her. In chapter two, she feels beautiful. She says. I, and she starts this chapter, I am a rose of Sharon, a lily in the valleys, like an apple tree amongst the tree of the forest, is my beloved amongst young men. Now listen to this, I delight to sit in his shade, and his fruit is sweet to my taste. Listen to this. What was her insecurity? The sun is beating on me. I delight to sit in his shade. He has become the protector. He has become the one that's nurturing this insecurity in her life. Folks, if we understand just a measure of this, can you imagine the flourishing that can take place in our relationships? By not trying to expose and by not trying to focus on it, but saying, how can I become the shade? To your vulnerabilities, to your insecurities. Because we all live with them. See, marriage is not a promise to always be in love, but it's a promise to always love. I will be there for you. Listen to Ephesians 5, verse 33, where Paul references this. He says, Each man amongst you, without exception, is to love his wife as his very own self, with behavior worthy of respect and esteem, always seeking the Best for her with an attitude of loving kindness. And the wife must see to it that she respects. Can you hear that word? Love his wife, respects, and delights in her husband. That she notices him, prefers him, treats him with loving concern, treasuring him Honoring him and holding him dear. How powerful is that? You love? She responds. I notice you. Not just affirmation, but also third rhythm. Availability. Being there for one another. Being available within the context of relationships. Um, As husbands and wives, we are called to this margin of being there for one another. Uh, I want to read you something that I found fascinating. It's um, somebody that had problems with her husband and she decided to write to the company's tech support to get support for this crisis. And this is how it reads. Dear tech support, last year I upgraded from boyfriend to husband." And noticed a distinct slowdown in the overall system performance. (laughs) Particularly in the flower and jewelry applications, which happened to operate flawlessly under Boyfriend. In addition, husband uninstalled many other valuable programs such as romance and personal attention and then installed undesirable programs such as working late, sport, continuous TV, and hanging out with the boys. Conversation no longer runs as smoothly as before and house chores simply seem to crash the system. I've tried running a nagging application to fix these problems but to no avail. What can I do? Signed, desperate. All right? So now, tech support replies. Dear desperate, first keep in mind, boyfriend is an entertainment package while husband is an operating system. We suggest you enter the command, I thought you loved me, and try to download tears, installing the guilt update If that application works as designed husband that should automatically run the applications of jewelry and flowers However please remember overuse of the above application can cause husband to default to grumpy silence Whatever you do do not install mother in law It runs a virus in the background and eventually <laughs> will seize control of all your systems. <laughs> this is an unsupported and unstable stable application that will crash Husband. In summary, Husband is a great system, but it does have limited memory and cannot <laughs> learn new applications quickly. It also tends to work better running one task at a time. (laughs) You might consider buying additional software to improve memory and performance. For this, we recommend feed him well, tell him he's a champion, and go and buy new lingerie. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So what do we mean if it's not this? Let me give you a very simple list. And this might so be, sound so simple, but it's profound. This is what we mean. The availability of the gr- rhythms of grace are encouraging words, writing notes and cards and letters and running errands and going on walks and sometimes doing exciting things together and talking and dreaming together. Taking his or her calls even during busy meetings. Giving surprise gifts. Remember special occasions. Praising one another in public. Can I say that again? Praising one another in public. Praying together. Helping with house chores. Keeping promises. Having date nights. Giving hugs. Holding hands. Opening doors. Sitting close. It's as simple as that. It's the rhythms of grace that we do over and over and over again. It's not just these big moments or you now having to try and schedule time and then don't know what to do with it it's about starting to live within a rhythm of grace. It's just being present. this is what I like about the message translation in Ephesians 5:25 husbands go out, all out in love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. Listen to this, a love marked by giving, not getting. Folks, in relationships, there's only two kinds of people. There are givers and takers, and we as kingdom people are to live as givers. I once heard somebody say, you know, uh, uh, a relationship's 50, 50. It's not 50, 50, it's a hundred. And if you get something back, it's a bonus. But that should be the way you enter into relationship. The fourth rhythm: affection. What will we do without it, right? (laughs) Intentional in emotional, physical affection. (laughs) In the Song of Solomon 1 verse 7, it says, Tell me, you whom I love, where you graze your flock, And where you rest your sheep at midday, why should I be like a veiled woman beside the flocks of your friends? It's interesting. This is right in the beginning of the story. And she's saying to herself, she says, listen, I want to live according to my convictions. I want to live according to the principles that I believe are important. And I'm not going to do anything. Outside of that framework. She says, why would I even consider being like one of the veiled women? And really, what she was referring to, it was women in that culture that were selling themselves to men for a price. And she says, I'm not going to compromise what I deeply believe in. And when we talk about affection in relationships, you know that there are so many challenges in that conversation But we have to understand the moment anything functions outside of its creative purpose, the result is always damage. You cannot use a dishwasher as a washing machine. It seems like it does the same thing, it washes. But it was constructed for something totally different. And when we look at God's order of relationship and specifically intimacy in relationship, we see that it's within covenantal commitment that God ordained this engagement of sexual expression. Here in Song of Solomon 2, She says, she says, strengthen me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I'm faint with love. His left arm is under my head, and his right arm embraces me. Just see that picture. They're pretty close to each other. She's seeing a picture, and she says, give me raisins and apples. Now, in that culture, raisins was an aphrodisiac. She's saying, listen, when this thing becomes real and we're committed to each other, I want to give myself totally to this man, which is God's order, it's God's way of functioning. Paul writes, and he says in Corinthians 7 verse 5, marriage is a decision to serve the other whether in bed or out, abstaining from sex is permissible for a period of time if both of you agree to it. And if it is for the purposes of prayer and fasting, but only for such times, then come together again because Satan has an ingenious way of tempting us when we least expect it. These are things that the Bible is speaking to us to reinforce in our lives. Rhythm number five. Accountability. Accountability says I trust you. We are called to share life together. Not just to share and address and keep the arrangement for the convenience of the kids. We're that to share life together. We are called to experience the miracle of marriage. I want to end today by reading you a story. Um, This is a true story. It's a, uh, a university that had Father Ferriels that was the philosophy department head and he was very popular for his mind opening and Very enriching classes. But he was also notorious at giving the students really bad grades. But they still took his classes because they were learning and there was deep insights. And then one of the students, a certain José Calanz, received an A-plus from this professor. And nobody could believe it, but this is what he wrote. Listen to this story. It's about marriage. And Hosea says the following. He says, I've never met a man who did not want to be loved. But I have seldom met a man who didn't fear marriage. Something about the closure seems constricting and not enabling. Marriage seems easier to understand in our culture today for what it cuts out of our lives than for what it makes possible in our lives. And when I was younger, this fear immobilized me. I did not want to make a mistake. I saw my friends get married for reasons for social acceptability or sexual fever or just because they thought it was the logical thing to do then I watched as they and their partners became embittered and and petty in their dealings with one another. I looked at all the couples and saw at best mutual toleration of each other. I imagined a lifetime of loveless nights and bickering and judgmental posturing and could not imagine subjecting myself to someone else with such a fate. Then he says, and yet... On the rare occasions, I would see mature couples who somehow seemed to glow in each other's presence. They seemed really in love. Not just dependent on each other and tolerant of each other's idiosyncrasies. It was an astounding sight. I wondered how this was possible. How I asked myself, can they have survived so many years of sameness of so much irritation at the other's habits. What keeps them alive? He says, The central secret seems to be in choosing well and in giving of who you are. So choose carefully and decide to give wholeheartedly. For if you do, you would have chosen to journey with a partner with whom you can grow. And then the real miracle of marriage can take place in your hearts. I pick my words carefully when I speak of miracle, but I do not think it's too strong a word. There is a miracle in marriage. It's called transformation. Transformation is one of the most common events in nature. We see a seed become a flower. A cocoon becomes a butterfly. Winter becomes spring. Love becomes a child. We never question these because we see them every day around us. To us, they're not miracles. Though if we did not know them, they would have been impossible to believe. Marriage, you see, is is growth by a thousand touches of love. Two histories intermingle. Two separate beings, two separate consciousness come together and share a view of life that passes before them. They remain separate, but they become one. This is the expansion of awareness, not the closure and a constriction that I once envisioned. Marriage allows life to deepen and expand and be leavened by the knowledge that the two have chosen against all odds to become one. Those who live together without marriage can know the pleasure of shared company, but there's something of specific gravity in marriage that brings this deep experience that is far richer, more complex. Do not fear marriage. It's an act of faith It contains within it the power of transformation. If you believe in your heart, you've found someone that you're able to grow old with. If you have the strength of heart to embrace the cycles and the season that your love will experience, then be ready to seek the miracle that marriage offers. something that i believe god wants to say to you maybe you're sitting here today saying we're having tension and trouble and challenges it's winter time in our relationship i love what song of solomon says it says see the winter is past The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come my darling, my beautiful one. Come with me. I want to speak over your relationship today. In this short time that we've been able to just share a few thoughts. Could I make an announcement? The winter is over. And that you choose to embrace a season where flowers and the cooing of doves and the blossoming of vines could become reality in your life. That's God's purpose. That's God's intent. Those are the rhythms of grace that God wants to give to your life. Let me bless you. Father, We thank you for your grace and we thank you for the privilege of just reflecting on some aspects of relationship. We recognize that it's so much bigger than what we've had as time to share, Lord, but thank you through your Holy Spirit that you arrest hearts and and come and, 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 and just bring people to a new place. I pray, Lord, that grace would abound in every relationship represented in this place, we thank you in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Come on! Wow, so good. Wow. That was a powerful word from a father, and and may we, by the grace of God, be able to hear what the Spirit was saying to us this morning. Um, as our ministry teams come, we're going to dismiss here, but but, belabor me just one minute. When Paul was talking about this whole concept of marriage, a man leaving his father and mother, joining to his wife and the two becoming one, he gave context to that when he says, this actually is a great mystery And it's referring to Christ and his relationship to you and I. And I just feel as our ministry teams come and we give some opportunity to respond in this window, this moment, could we go there, all of us, and say, what spaces of our heart have we not let Jesus into? Because we may go back and try to fix Friendships, or maybe the relationship with our husband, or maybe the relationship to our wife, or try to shore up, you know, some realm of dysfunction just in general as it relates to how we connect with other people. But could we start there this morning where we say, Lord, what needs to happen between you and I? And I don't mean to sound so ethereal or out there, but I I just, I just, I need you to just trust me in this. When we connect to Christ, or better said, when we allow him to connect to us, something changes and it gives birth to revival in our relationships. You can't help but love. And I'm just telling you, there is a spirit of fear in the earth right now for people to really allow the Lord to connect with their heart that's manifesting in dysfunction in all kinds of relationships because of the brokenness that we've been through in relationships and that we've seen. We've lost trust in marriage as an institution. We've lost trust in real friendships. But we're void and we're empty because we've isolated ourselves into that space. Could we stand? Open your heart. Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you that you are constantly coming after us. And instead of looking at anybody else, pointing a finger out, Lord, could we Reflect with no shame and no condemnation and receive your love in a new way today. Come on, guys. Come on, ladies. Lord, could we allow you, by your grace, into places in our heart to bring revival to first love to your son to your kingdom that as we receive we would be empowered to give 100% despite the return on investment, we continue to give 100% because we continue to receive 100% from you, unhindered. This mysterious reality called the love of God. Holy Spirit, break into your church, your people created in your image. That were meant to do relationships better than anybody else on the planet. God, bring a revival to this reality. Bring a move of the love of God to your people in this hour that have been damaged through broken relationships and dysfunction that has ruled for far too long. God, come and change us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. As we minister, we're here as long as you need. God bless you guys. Share this message today with somebody, okay? God bless you.